Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. We're powered by Drivers Village. Phone lines open at 315-437-7644. And before we get to the the Tyus Battle news, let's go to the phone lines. Doug in North Syracuse kicking us off today. Do you get it? Should I stay or... Regarding Tyus Battle, yeah, that's, that's that a was good clever. Did you do that on, part, no, on, on purpose? No, no, I did not. Let's I go. Noticed. Let's go to Doug. Hey, Doug, what do you got for us? Well, since you brought it up, I thought I'd chime in a little bit. The answer to your question is no. I did not watch any of the wedding, but I did see some royalty this <laughs> weekend in lacrosse. Um, did you happen to watch the Albany game? I did not Albany, see. I did not Albany see much Denver game in the matchup with Baptiste and Airline. Did not see much of uh, the Albany game. I, I watched quite a bit of the Cornell game, but not the Albany game. Oh, Steve, the Earl and Baptiste battle was everything it was built to be. Incredible. I know you're not a face-off guy. I was kind of hoping you watched that one. It was an incredible butt battle, which was pretty much a draw. I actually thought Baptiste was going to get the better of Earl, but he did not. And it, those were just incredible battles. So there was some awfully good stuff. Um, I'm hoping that, that Albany wins the whole thing. I realize that any of them can, and they're all good teams. But I just like the way that Albany plays. I like the way Mark coaches. I like the way he lets his boys play. They play a fast-paced, up-and-down-the-field kind of game. So I'm pulling for those boys. they got to get by the Bulldogs. So. Yeah, Doug, hang on one second. We uh, we yeah. actually had uh, Chuck Wilbur, if you listen to the Upstate Lacrosse show, and I know you listened to at least part of it on Saturday, we had Chuck Wilbur on. He said the same thing, that he didn't really have a dog in the fight, so to speak, but he, he wanted Albany to win just because of the style of play and thought it would be great for the game of lacrosse. Let me ask you this. So yep. with as much parity as there is in the game, and when the brackets came out, it was, you know, well, no, you know, nobody's a safe bet to make it to the Final Four. And then you look at this Final Four, it's the top four seeds. Are you surprised by that, that you've got, you know, one, two, three, and for uh, making it to uh, to Memorial Day weekend? No, I'm not at all surprised by it, but you know, by the same token, I, I don't feel as if any one of them were unbeatable either. There is a lot of parity out there. It, it just worked out that way. These are four very, very good teams, so you know, I guess the committee got it right in, in their rankings and pairings and the whole deal. So now, now to answer your question, I'm not surprised. And, I, and yes, I did hear Coach Wilbur on Saturday morning, and and I just echo his sentiments. And I, I, I like the way um, Albany plays the game. That, that, in my opinion, is the way you're supposed to play the game. It's, it's far too well coached by too many coaches, um, in my opinion, anymore. So now it's the battle of the dogs, Bulldogs versus the, uh, the Great Dane. So it's a good one. All right, now I'm going to go. Uh, I won't take your whole show up, but I will ask you this question since dogs came up. What would you call a dog that has no legs? Uh, a hot dog? Uh, it doesn't matter, Steve. He wouldn't come anyway. Here you go, buddy. Best I got for you. Have a good one. <laughs> oh, that is a dad joke if I've ever heard one. Thank you, Doug, uh, for checking in. And uh, as long as we're talking about a little lacrosse here, I, I, I find myself rooting for Albany as well. They are fun to watch. And, you know, with Cornell out of it and Syracuse out of it, you know, I think if, if local fans are, are looking for a rooting interest, why not get behind the the Albany Great Danes? They've n- never done it before. I, that's what I was going to say. Is isn't it good to have new people win? Uh, you know, I, I know that we've talked a lot about lacrosse. When we've talked a lot about Syracuse lacrosse, uh, we've talked about well, the game's changing, the game's growing. You're going to new places, and and I know Denver won a couple years ago. Uh, but isn't it always good to have new teams winning? Yeah, I think so. 
grows the sport more. Hey, that's going to happen in the NHL, right? Exactly. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Scooter uh, in Jamesville wants to uh, chime in on some basketball. Hey, Scooter. Yeah, guys, I was listening to you uh, Friday, and you know, I heard some of the ACC proposals and additional four teams. You know, I mean, if we got to step out of the ACC territory, I mean, right now, <laughs> there's there's teams basically. I know, I know the Qs is behind the bubble, so maybe it kind of makes people around here hope there's four more teams, but, but we have but there's almost a point where there's almost going to be teams of losing records are going to make it. I mean, it's getting close the last couple of years. I mean, you got 12 and 13 lost teams, teams that don't even have a winning record in conferences, teams that don't win, teams against the top four or five in their conferences making it. And I think there's enough teams. Now you're going to add four more. And as far as the injuries go, I just think that's part of the game because because who who decides what injury for which team? For example, I think Washington lost the uh, – they're their starting center for three games. That cost them a shot at the title. They, they actually go to the NCAA title uh, if, 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 those, if those three teams meant something if they're on the bubble. Or Missouri played basically everybody you know, without their star player the whole year. And I know everybody concentrates on Notre Dame, but you know, Syracuse played teams this year without their star players. Clemson didn't have their star player. Florida State didn't have their star player. I think when we played Miami, we didn't have their star player. So, I mean, that's just part of the game, isn't it? It is part of the game. I think in regards to Notre Dame, though, the, the difference with that is that it was a serious injury that took – I mean, Bonzi Colson missed months of the season, and then he was back. And they were a preseason top 20 team. Then he went away. They lost a bunch. And then he comes back, and they showed signs of, hey, maybe this is the you know the preseason top 20 team that, that everybody expected. So, I think you know you have to take you know each injury – uh, on a on a case by case basis, I would say, and I, I think the one to Bonzi Colson was a little bit different than somebody missing a game or two, or you know Syracuse getting a win or two because the star yeah. player didn't play. I think I think it's a it's a case by case thing. And Missouri never looked right when Porter came back, right. so I don't, I don't think you give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I I do agree with you, Scooter, and I said this on Friday. I don't need more teams in the NCAA tournament. I, I don't need to reward more mediocrity. Right. Um, because and, and I know you you called in and, and talked about the mid major guys, but you know what would happen if you know what would happen if uh, they add four more teams. They would just add four more, you know, yeah. average major teams. They they wouldn't be adding in, you know, Mammoths and St. Marys and and teams that had great records but didn't make the tournament. Oh, I agree. I totally agree, Seth. And that, and that was going to be my you know, second point. If, if they're going to reward teams that had great uh, conference records and get unlucky in the conference championship when it's a one and done where other conferences got seven or eight teams uh, chances to go. And, you know, let's face it, if you're, if you're going to add teams, how come we're not talking about the, the, uh, the football? I mean, there's only four teams now. If we're going to add four, four to, the, to the basketball, why don't we just, you know, concentrate more on the football and make that more, more wide open? But, uh, I just, you know, I, I heard it, and I was just trying to figure out why the ACC would want to add four. Because I don't think they could care less if the if the Pac-12 gets more teams or the Big 12 gets more teams, and it's got to be because it, they think it's going to help the ACC. And you know, they're good, you know they're getting ten, eleven teams in anyway. I mean, come on, how many chances? you want to give. Well, I think this year in particular, if they had added four teams, Louisville and Notre Dame are getting Both in. So I think that's in. that's yeah. in part why it came up this yeah. year. Um, and, and appreciate you checking in, Scooter. Uh, I'm with you. I'd like to see the, the football uh, championship expanded to eight teams, an eight-team playoff. And, and in regards to, to adding the teams, like I understand what you're saying, Seth, that you're going to get mediocre teams. I guess my point is, like, who cares? Like, we... The media, fans, the public, we get four more games that we get to watch that week. Like, how do you, how is that a bad thing? Like, 
I I don't I don't feel a need for it. I, I really don't. I I don't need four more games. I don't I don't need four more teams. <laughs> it, it just I don't I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's something that you need to do. I I think that you've probably already got too many teams in this tournament. I, I think that you could pare it down. If not, you know you you don't need to add more to oh, it. Oh, Seth, you don't need pare to add it down. More. Yes. It's... Yeah, I I could get rid of the first four and be totally all right. Well, here's kick the thing. off the tournament at noon on Thursday, here's like you had, like like it you know really does, and go from there. Here's the thing with the the first four. So if you want to eliminate the first four, in my opinion, you would have to eliminate some automatic qualifiers because we're seeing year in and year out that good teams, teams capable of making a run, are sent to the first four. I mean, again, Syracuse this year they they obviously had consistency issues, you know. Last year's team, you felt like if they got in the tournament, not not you know this past season's team, but I'm talking about last the team year that didn't make with it, Andrew yeah. White, John Gill, and so on and so forth. You felt like if that team got in, they they could have done some damage, and and nobody wanted to play them. So good teams are getting left out. So if you were going to pare it back and get rid of the first four, I think you would have to get rid of some of the smaller conference automatic champs, and I don't think you want to do that. So I, I don't see a problem with adding four more teams to the to the mix and then it you've just, got 72 unne- instead just, of 68 look, it, just, it just feels unnecessary to me it feels like the acc is going for a cash grab which is, is what this whole thing is and they wanted two more bids this year and if they gotten two more bids this year that's two more units they win more games they get more units and and they're going could for be, money it and could be even more than that because if yeah. they or, or if they, if notre dame plays louisville somebody's going to win and exactly. then that's another unit exactly. and they move on so you know what they're they're looking for money, and and hey, go for it! Like all power to you. Go go get the money that you can get. But everybody I, I just, wants I money. But I I don't feel like it's necessary. It feel it feels like they're just doing this because they saw an opportunity specifically with this year where two of their teams were in the first four out, and they were like, hey, we could have benefited from this. Think about how many teams we could put in. Think about if we got 12 or 13 of our 15 basketball-playing teams into the tournament. Oh, my goodness. How great would that be? Look at how awesome it would be. We would get so much money. We would be rolling in it. And it I, I just I don't know. I don't think that you need that. Everybody wants money, and I get that you know, the conference is motivated by money. The people who really want this... It's the coaches. The coaches, yes, because it's you know it's in their contracts. The the incentives that they get, even and just why, the job and why security. Do the coaches of want it. Job money. security. Well, money. money. Well, I think more so. It's it's job security. Maybe not with what comes you know, with job security. <laughs> true. Money. True. <laughs> you but don't I, get paid if you don't get a, if you don't have a job. Who are the teams that are vying for the first four? Generally, it's like the NC States, the Wake Forests of the world, right? The guys that you know they take over. They're there I for three know, or four Syracuse years. Has the past four years. I, I said by and large, <laughs> and I knew you were going to throw that in there. Jim Beheim's not worried about job security. Okay, Mike Bray's not worried about job security. Um, but the, you know the the teams that are generally you know ninth, tenth, eleventh in the ACC, the you know Clemson's and NC State's and Wake Forest, it would be nice for those guys to make the tournament to help with you know their job security and their contracts. And so they're the ones that really wanted the coaches, and obviously the conferences wanted as well because they can make more money. I say there like to me, there's no harm. Like move the and you know how I how I feel about this. Move the automatic qualifiers into the field of sixty four yep. automatically and have. The last eight 
you know, mid-majors to Power 5 schools. I'm not talking about the small conferences. I'm talking about, you know, if you want to put the, you know, the Big East in that mix and the Power 5 schools. I would have the, the last eight at-large teams, whatever conference they come from. Fine. Last eight at-large teams. Throw them in there and then and have some fun. Right, I don't see not, any problem with that. I like that idea, but that doesn't mean that you have to make the field four teams bigger. No, but that, that would be the last, you know, you, you have the field of 64 set. Right, you know, with but, it would, but instead of the first four being two team two games between the last four in and two teams between right. two games between Make that automatic change. qualifiers. I'm saying the last eight teams in go to Dayton. We talked about last week whether or not we minded the the recommendations. Or you said you hated it, and my point was like I wasn't seeking out. Okay, they have to go to 72 teams. My point is like if the if the schools want it, the coaches want it, and the NCAA wants it, like we get more games to watch. You know that week, which to me, I'm I'm all in on. I I would love more games that week, so I'm fine if they go to 72. I'm fine if they keep it to 68. Certainly, don't go the other direction though, Seth. You're killing me. You don't like watching I, games on Tuesday and Wednesday. I could do without it. Ugh. You said it last week. One of those games each night is terrible. Right. So move the automatic qualifiers into the field, and then yes, give that me would, that would Syracuse that. USC sure. or what you know whatever it is. That would fix that. But I, yes, I don't need those games. I guess I don't need it either. I, I like I like those games. I like games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Give me a couple more. I'd be happy. 315-437-7644. We got sidetracked with a couple of phone calls. We'll get to the Tyus Battle News next on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Steven Seth back with you on a Monday edition of Orange Nation. Phone lines remain open at 315-437-7644. All right, so on to the, the Tyus Battle update that we have. Adam Zagoria of SNY, National Recruiting Analyst, has the popular Zags blog. Uh, he reports today that according to a source close to the situation, Tyus Battle will quote-unquote likely remain in the NBA draft. He goes on to say that he's got five private workouts set up, has met with the Clippers, and he's got four others leading up to the May 30th deadline. Not a surprise, Seth. I don't know if this is breaking news in any way, shape, or form. I mean, we've kind of been saying all along. Yeah, there you go. Breaking news. Uh, We've been saying all along that you know, we think he's probably going to stay in. Uh, we've debated whether or not there's benefit to him coming back. So, again, I don't think this is earth-shattering, but uh, Adam Zagoria, the first uh, you know national analyst, I guess, to, to say that, you know, according to his source, he's likely to stay in the draft, still has nine days to make a final decision. I don't think it's surprising. I mean, we talked about it on Friday, even with the uh, questionable, let's say, uh, reviews over the weekend from Tyus in, in his scrimmage play. I, I don't think it's all that surprising that he'll go. And and we had Amin Al-Hassan on, and he, he said anybody who's in the top 50 should just go and, and get to the NBA and, and see what they can do at the next level. Hey, do you and have work. that comment? We should play yeah. that comment from, if from Friday. If I am a guy who's going to get drafted, if I am a solid second-round pick, meaning not like 57, 58, 59, but anything I would say between 31 and 50, you come out. To me, you always come out. If, you, if you're in the conversation, you come out because the, the reality is being a second-round pick is almost an advantage if you're good. And that's what it comes down to. And we talked about this on Friday. He qualifies it by saying if you're good, if it works out. Now, Draymond Green didn't have a choice. He, he had to come out because his time at Michigan State had expired. He went in the second round. It turned out to be an advantage for him because he was good. He did cash in. I know the stat that's out there. Roughly 70% 
of second-round picks in the last six years have signed for at least one year of guaranteed money. College, at least yes. one year. College, college players in the second round. Your, yes. Europeans are, are a bit different. Yes, but college, college players. players. So yeah. roughly 70% of those guys have signed for at least one year in guaranteed money. Okay, one year opposed to three. Okay, and the money's obviously different. The minimum is about $800,000 opposed to you're making a little more than a million per year if you're going into the first round. Right. So over the course of three years, that's a significant amount of money. Now, if you turn out to be good, if you turn out to be Draymond Green... And you're only signed for a year or two years... Then it works to your advantage. But again, and I'm pointing this out on Friday, and I'm not saying what... What he said was wrong by any by any means. Like I understand the point, but I think Draymond Green is the exception to the rule. Jeremy Grant, to a lesser degree, is the exception to the rule. Where you know he rolled the dice, came out after his sophomore year, goes in the second round, went to a good situation in Philly in that they were really bad. He got to play a ton, and now he's about to cash in. He's a free agent this summer, and he's going to get paid. Isn't this the same thing as saying, "Oh, just go find that that Russell Wilson." Right, like there's there's a reason you could pick out Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, and Tom Brady because they're the three. Right, right? like you're you're not picking out every quarterback taken late in a draft and saying, oh, how about Landry Jones? Like he really panned out, and and I think a lot of it is is similar in the NBA. Right, you look at second round picks. There's a reason why you can pick out Isaiah Thomas and Draymond Green, and to a lesser degree, Jeremy Grant, and and some of those players because well, there there are only a few of them. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be a good role player, you can't have a nice career coming out of the second round, but uh, you know, to be an Isaiah Thomas or a Draymond Green and, and severely outperform and, and sign to a nice deal, you know, early because you are a second round pick, that doesn't really happen all that much. So I mean it comes down to you know what what Tyus wants to do, obviously, at the end of the day. And I think we can kind of take the part off the table where we say, well, if he's a first round pick then he should go because it sounds like, and again, coming out of the combine and all the mock drafts, I mean, put as much stock into these mock drafts as you want, but by and large, he's in the second round. I, I have it seen sounds like his stock fell. only a few still have him at the very end of the first round from what I can gather. So let's say for the sake of argument, 80% of the mock drafts have him going in the second round okay. and some of them have him going middle of the second round. So... I think it's no longer a question of, well, if Tyus Battle is a first-round pick, then he goes. I think it comes down to, if he wants to get drafted this year and start his pro career, then he goes. If he thinks he can wait one more year, then he comes back to school. Because, again, by the sounds of it, he's looking like a second-round pick right now. I want to ask the same question I asked last week, because I saw this raised over the weekend with some of the reviews and and with some of the uh, reports coming out of the Combine. How much does Ty's battle gain from coming back? How much does Ty's battle really gain from coming back to Syracuse? And you could call in and say, oh, well, he'll be on a top 25 team. Okay, but what's that say about him? Oh, he'll be in the spotlight more. Okay, but what's that say about him? I don't know that there's that much to be gained for Ty's battle if if he were to come back. I, I really don't. I mean, I've laid this out before. 20-point-per-game score, second-team All-ACC, Sweet 16 appearance. I don't know that you are guaranteed to do anything more than that on an individual or team level. So you've already possibly hit your peak as a college player. Doesn't it make sense to just go? And it might not be when his stock is the highest. It might not be when his light is the brightest, like Malachi Richardson, like Johnny Flynn, like Tyler Ennis. But it might just make sense to go. 
You're right. We did discuss this last week. After thinking about it this weekend, you still don't see the benefit, the potential benefit. And I'm, again, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you don't see the potential benefit of coming back and being a dominant college player on a really good team in terms of helping his not stock. En- not enough to why make did, it worthwhile. Why did Malachi go in the first round? What's the number because one reason? Because of the Virginia game. Right. Why did Johnny Flynn go sixth overall? Because of the six overtime game. Why did Tyler Ennis go in the first round? Because they started 20 and right. 24, 25 and 0. So it had nothing to do with the combine. It had nothing to do no, with the I'm, interviews. It had to do with, the, you know, they had a they had a specific reason that you could point to of something they did in college that their, their stock shot up. Like Johnny Flynn shot up after the six overtime yes. game and, and that postseason. Tyler Ennis went from being a guy that many thought was... They, like a three when or he, four year yes, player. When he yeah. came to campus, it was Tyler Ennis is going to be here three or four years. He he went after his freshman year because of what they did, how they started the year, how he ran that team. Yep. A really good team, by the way. Sure. If Tyler I, Ennis was on last I, year's team, do you think that no, he he's would be staying for three years? Right. No, I I agree with you, but I I don't know that in Tyus Battle's case, is it enough to launch him from middle of the second round to end of the first round, or is it just middle of the second round to a little bit higher in the second round. You know, and, and I, I don't know that the positive outweighs anything else. I, I don't know that the, the benefit of coming back is worth it. Well, you either know, way, if, it's a roll of the if, dice. Yes, e- either way, it's a roll of the dice. I, I will gladly admit to that. But in worst case scenario, you come back next year, you hurt yourself. Okay, well, you could hurt yourself playing professionally, but at least you have that one year of a paycheck, right? Like, I... I, I, I when I'm looking at this decision, like I I always tend to lean towards go. And when you're looking at him as a player, I think that we've seen what he is. Okay, three-point shooter, can get you 20 points per game in a, at a college level. I'm not sure exactly how he fits on a pro level, but he's a good scorer, right? He's a he's a ball dominant guard. He can, he can score the basketball, he can get to the basket. I don't know that that changes by having him come back for another year, and I don't know that he jumps into the first round by coming back and doing what he did again last year. You said, why not watch, you know, they had regular season moments, not the combine. I'm all for regular season moments. I'm all for, you know, I'm I'm big on throw combine stuff out the window for 35 games or 12 games over a college season, but I don't know that Tyus Battle could come back next year and do anything differently over the next 35 games of a regular season that we haven't already seen. All right, let me say this. In my opinion, the way things are looking right now, the safer thing to do would be to come back and buy yourself another year because, and I brought this up on Friday, right? Will he get a paycheck if he's drafted in the second round? Probably. Okay. But in terms of job security, if you're picked in the second round, we know how this works. More than likely, you're going to be sent to the G League. Sure. And the team is going to be less motivated to give you a second, third, and fourth chance, right? Like if he if he's not showing much development early on, what are the chances he ends up in the NBA? Less than if he's picked in the first round and sent to the G League but, because he's a first round pick. But do you think and he's got if the he guaranteed comes, contract? But do you think if he comes back next year, he he just vaults himself into the first round? 
I don't know. If he comes back and does the exact same thing, let, let me, if he let comes me back this. and scores 20 points per game, shoots better from the field, I'll even give you that he shoots better. You know, if he shoots 37% from three rather than 32, scores 20 points per game as a second-team All-ACC player, is he going higher? Is he going 20 spots higher in the draft? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll say this. There is a better chance that he goes in the first round next year than he does this year because this year is here and it's like a month away and it doesn't look like he's going to go in the first round. And so that's why I say the safer thing to do, in my opinion, and I'm not saying he should come back or not, like that. It's totally up to him. And I'm not, either way, I'm like, I'm not going to crush him either way. Obviously, I think the world of Tyus Battle, super hard worker, great kid. Like, obviously, we all want what's best for him. All I'm saying is, I'm, I'm concerned if he goes now and, and say he goes like 45th overall and then goes to the G League. Do I think that he's going to end up in the NBA? I think the chances are better he ends up in the NBA. If he comes back to school, he plays for a top 15 Syracuse team that wins a lot of games and you know goes to at least the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. He's the leading scorer and his percentages come up from a 32% three-point shooter to a 39% three-point shooter. And I th- I think that that would help his case, and potentially I don't know. ends you know ends up at the at the end of the first round. I don't think it helps his case enough to get him into the first round. I, I just because I I you know you, a week ago people were saying you know people had him I know. projected at twenty eight. No, overall. I know, and he and I think he's good enough to to be there. But if you look at projections now and they're having him mid second round, I don't know that coming back and doing more or less the same thing on a team that's five wins Some better. I don't, has to, I don't know that that makes your case that Some much of this better. has to do with guys around him, too. Like like Josh Okogie is an example of a guy who went to the Combine and was listed below Tyus, yeah. and now they flip-flop positions. Now Josh Okogie, his stock has risen and, yep. and Tyus has fell. So some of this has to do with a handful of guards that maybe looked better at the Combine and tested better at the Combine than expected, and so their stock has gone up, and so Tyus is starting to slide a little bit. Will that happen next year? I don't know. And again, it's a roll of the dice either way. If he comes back, it's a roll of the dice. My point is I think it's safer just because right now it, I, I don't know how he ends up in the first round given the current projections. Could right. that change? Could it? It takes one team. We talked about this on Friday. It I takes agree. one team. Yeah. So he met with the Clippers. If the Clippers absolutely love him, they've got a couple of picks, by the way. They do. And... Who knows? So it, it could be it, it could take that one team that loves them and the Clippers trade back and they say, you know what, we're gonna well if you're there twenty five or you know, I'm throwing out a right. random example, we'll, we'll take, take it twenty five. Yeah. And then okay, so now it's not a roll of the dice. But as it stands currently from what we know and can can tell by the projections, the safer thing to do in my opinion would be to come back. I agree with your reasoning there, by the way, is that it doesn't look like the same it, by your, I agree with what you're saying in that the safer thing to do is come back because as of now it doesn't look like you're in the first round and at least next year there's, there's a, chance. a chance, right? Like I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. I would, I, I just don't know that that chance is great enough. I, I don't, I, I just don't know based on what I read this weekend. I just don't know that that chance is great enough to. To come back and make that jump. Either way, you're betting on yourself. Yes. If you decide to go and you're picked in the middle of the second round, you're betting on yourself that you're going to be good and you're going to cash in on the second contract. Or if you come back to school, you're betting on yourself that, all right, I'm going to make the most out of this year. I, I'm betting on myself to go in the first round next year. So either way, it's a gamble. At the end of the day, it comes down to what makes the most financial sense, what makes the most business sense. Right. And, and that, again, you can't blame the kid either way. If he decides to come back or go, 
It's his choice. It's his family's choice. 315-437-7644. We wrap up hour number one right after this.